0: The Big Bets on Campus Podcast. Podcast.
1: Podcast. All right, here we go.
0: 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. And the kick is blocked! The college football world!
1: the size of the fight
2: in the north welcome to the big bets on campus podcast this is our aac conference preview we're working our way through all 10 of the FBS conferences. We're going to end with the SEC, breaking into the SEC East and West. That'll be a super preview with Stuck and Colin Wilson. Speaking of Stucky, he's joining us here for the American Preview, as well as Mike Ionello. And we're going to get into really a, a totally revamped, reworked conference. There's new faces. There's new schools. A lot of Conference USA teams filling some empty spots. But well, let's start with you, Stuck. What are your thoughts on this conference that Honestly, I mean, they tried the moniker. They were going for power six. They got Cincy to the college football playoff. So many teams to a New York New Year's six bowl game. What are your thoughts on the revamped AAC coming into 2023?
3: We're doing the AAC, right? It's the AAC today. Like I, I, I cause I'm like, all right, we're going to talk about Charlotte, but it's the AAC. Like I'm, I am i get confused. I'm like, wait, so Charlotte's in the AAC. Um, it's a fun, it's a, it's going to be a fun conference this year. I'm glad that the top two will meet in the title. Um, and they're not doing like divisions or anything like that as far as determining who gets to the title. but yeah, it's a fun mix of teams from Tulane all the way down to Charlotte um, there's a lot of your 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 dregs of the world, but this is what we love in in college football and it could present a lot of betting value both preseason and and during the season. so I'm excited to get
2: into it. Speaking of the dregs, Ainello, do you have love for some of these teams at the bottom? Because you really got to hold your nose doing the, the work for a preview with some of these teams. We'll get to Charlotte in
4: just a minute. Yeah, not at the bottom. I think this is a conference that's very half and half. And, and my issue when I'm excited to dig in with you guys is I love all the teams at the top half like a lot. And I was having trouble figuring out which one I liked the most. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm kind of hoping you guys will help me break some ties of, you know, I can't just bet the over on every single team in the top half. So hopefully you guys will help me lean one way or the other, because I like a lot of the top half and don't like most of the bottom half.
2: For listeners just tuning in to the American, we mentioned the musical chairs, all these new programs coming in with the big 12 rating, some of their best programs. So let me give you the rundown to win the conference here, and you'll get a feel for all of these teams. Tulane two to one. They are the defending champs. They went to the Cotton Bowl, upset USC, and just an absolute classic against the Heisman Trophy winner. SMU plus 370. UTSA, the conference USA champion, now in the AAC, a little bit north of four to one. Memphis, six to one. FAU eight to one. Tom Herman coming back to the G5 level. North Texas, 24 to 1. ECU, 28 to 1. Then it starts to get really up there. Navy 35 to 1. Temple 38. UAB 43 to one usf 50 to one tulsa 55 to one rice 64 to one and then club lit has been burned to the grounds there's caution tape all around it. 140 to one to win this conference let's start there because why not we got one of the best coaching hires in terms of a personality upgrade biff Pogie is a gift and if anyone was going to resurrect Club Lit, it is this guy. Matt Mitchell's is going to hit us with some of the best offseason sound drops from this absolute walking soundbite.
1: My name is Biff and I expect those to be a national
2: power. Charlotte, three and nine on the season last year, two and six in conference. Their win total set at three and a half. Less than 50% of their offensive line starts return negative 12 in the net tarp. That's the work that Colin Wilson does for us to be able to put into perspective, the transfers coming and going as well as the returning production. That's absolutely dead last in FBS. That's dead last in terms of offensive tarp, negative seven, only 10 returning starters in total, both specialist Shadrick bird. their do everything all purpose guy. He's back. He's going to have to do it all quite literally. And their defense was God awful, but they returned five starters. Did I miss anything stuck on our beloved 49ers?
3: Club Lit, baby. Yeah, Biff Pogi's a character that will attack other coaches like App States Coach on Twitter. Not afraid to hold back. This is a guy who made some serious money in the hedge fund world, resurrected a high school in inner city Baltimore, was an assistant at Michigan the past couple of years. This team's going to look completely different. Club Lit, it's a completely new club. They shut it down, renovated it, brought in some new investors, and we're going to see what the new club looks like. I will be looking to back them at times during the year. Um, it'll be a wild ride, just like it was last year. I think
1: you'll like this definition of the word coach. It comes from the 1100s, and it was a ca- what we would consider a carriage now, called a coach. And the carriage would take person from where they were in their lives now to where they wanted to go, not where the carriage wanted to go,
3: they On paper, they have more talent than they did because of the transfers, but who knows how it's all going to fit together. I mean, you look at this team, but they brought in eight offensive line transfers. I think four will start. Ten defensive back transfers. You get three new coordinators, obviously a new head coach, but you lose Chris Reynolds, who was so important, a quarterback. You're every receiver possible. I think like a running back who was not going to start as a leading, returning receiver. You got to just hope all these transfers hit. Their D was so bad last year. I mean, they only had 17 sacks. But you got some, like, talented transfers, Clowney from Ole Miss, Oki from Michigan, and if you look at, like, the talent level of the transfers that they brought in, like, the offensive line looks like it's going to be bigger. They should be bigger and more talented on the defensive front as well. The D can't get any worse. It looks – they're going to use – I would assume the Bethune-Cookman quarterback, Jones, the transfer, is going to be their starter, but Biff has said they're going to use maybe four quarterbacks in the game, depending on the drive, and who knows? It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, the freshman running back Robinson, very high recruit, I think the highest in school history. So we'll see what he can do. And our job,
1: as I told the players yesterday, my my job, my number one job, is to love them.
3: But it's a brand new team. I mean, they do avoid Tulane and UTSA. They have, they have, I would argue, five winnable games. Their win total is over 3.5 plus 125. Like you have South Carolina State at home, Georgia State at home, Navy at home, Rice at home. At USF is in the finale, unfortunately. That's not great because we'll talk about them, but they're going through a complete overhaul, new offensive system. So you probably don't want to get them in the last game on the road. I'm not betting their win total. Huge. I, this team's very hard to price as far as like, you know, we know they're going to be bad, but how bad? It's a complete rebuild, philosophy, cultural change, uh, just lots of freshmen, lots of transfers. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, who knows what to expect? I don't know who's going to be the quarterback down to down basis. So. I'm close to their their win total. They're 150 to one at some places to win the conference. Obviously not betting that, but uh, I'll be looking to bet them. I'll find our weeks to visit the club.
1: There's two types of football coaches and there's only two transformational coach. That is a coach that helps young people reach the station in their life they want to reach and gets them on a trajectory to do that. A transactional coach takes that person where the coach wants them to go the next contract the next job we're not doing that
2: here i mean move over biff from back to the future there's a new most famous biff in america what are your thoughts here ianello on a program that is starting fresh like i said club was condemned but they're going to go for a rebrand try to turn this restaurant around
4: yeah matt mitchell talked you know he used to always play the club lit sound i think we need to find a new one maybe some emo music or some, you know, hello, darkness, mild friend, because this this might be tough. I'm
1: Biff Pogi, and I'm a 49er.
4: I'm with you, Stuck. I think Jalen Jones will be QB1. Um, he actually played for Pogi in high school, so he does kind of know the offense. Yeah, they're moving from like a totally pass-first offense to like a power running game. Who knows how that works? The one thing I, w- I will say I like about Pogi and it kind of gives them a little bit of upside going forward potentially, is Because he made so much in the finance industry, he he returned half his salary. He's only making like 500 grand. Um, He returned half his salary to go to improve his assistance pool. You have to wonder in an NIL game, is he cutting a check out of his pocket at any point? They brought in like 40 transfers, which is bananas.
1: I tell people that I'm coming to Charlotte. I bet 90% of the guys in football land say, that is a goldmine.
4: I was looking at the Action Network Power Ratings and outside of South Carolina State, our Action Network Power Ratings have them as an underdog of at least 11 points in every single game. How are they winning any games? <laughs> um, it's just a, I was listening for the sound bites.
1: Our goal is very simple,
4: win the AAC.
1: Win it repeatedly. Get to the college football playoff. And that's what I'm expecting to do here. And my timetable is, now,
2: yeah, I'm not going to so. start this AAC preview with an under. It's just a pass for me. Yeah. I want to be entertained, and if Media Days are any indication, I am entertained. But this this we is a will a be back in that.
1: That's it. Three questions. Maybe right, that's because you have us ranked last. That's all what you think of us. <laughs> we get that message. Thank you.
3: Yeah. We will be back in them. Might, there might be a decent under team and uh, big underdog. Maybe, maybe at Maryland, Maybe at Maryland week two. Yeah, if I had to bet it, I would bet under if I had no care
2: for the club. But there's not enough value to, for, for my numbers also. It's going to be another fun year in the club. All right, let's take a look at the defending AAC champs. That's Tulane. Went 12-2 and two last year, 7-1 and one in conference. Their win total set at 9, minus 125 if you want to go with the over. 70% of their line starts return, plus 2 in the net tarp, so plus 1 on both sides of the ball. Nine returning starters in total, both specialists. The headline here, Michael Pratt is back, but he has a new O.C., who hasn't been an offensive coordinator since 2010 and when he did it at the FCS level, that's Slade Nagel. And if you think you know what Slade Nagel looks like, go ahead and Google. He's not what you're going to expect. Um, no more TJ Spears, but there's lots of the like in Clayton Johnson, a New Orleans kid who did pop in reserve work last year. He could be interesting there um, offensively. Then we go ahead and hit up the receiving core. It's strong. They also added Yul Keith Brown from Texas A&M to help out the reigning Action Network gambling Heisman winner, Michael Pratt. So hopefully the offense keeps cooking there down in New Orleans. The defense, though, this is the issue. This is, I mean, you don't have to be poking holes in their resume to see this. Their defense returns just three starters. They were able to hire Troy Shieldwood, who, in my opinion, was one of the best defensive coordinators in all of college football. He's a phenomenal coach, and he's got to work out some new pieces because they lose these two stalwarts at linebacker, Dorian Williams and Nick Anderson. They depart. They had combined 581 career tackles, 54 TFLs between the two of them in their career, and the secondary may even be a bigger question mark. Here's the thing, though. When I look at them and I start to you know question losing Ty J. Spears, everything on defense, then I'm I'm questioning who are they facing? Who are the quarterbacks I'm afraid of? Yes, at the in the finale, they get Frank Harris against UTSA. They're at home in that game. But the second best quarterback on their schedule is Seth Hannigan, like whoever FAU lands on potentially could be the next quarterback in line there. I'm just not scared off. So I'm leaning the over here. They're not my pick to win the conference just because of their price. Um, but the green wave, you know, there's really reason for optimism that they can at least hit eight, nine wins again, keep the positive momentum going and really building something special by G5 standards. Stuck, I'll turn to you. Willie Fritz, do you think it's a, a nice encore for him here in 2023?
3: Yeah, I'm looking. I don't know if I'll bet the under, but I'm looking to bet the under. These are, these are my my boys last year. Shout out to colleague, longtime colleague, Michael Lieboff. He texted me before the season, give me a long shot future. I said Tulane fifty to one. He bet it. I did not. I I didn't end up betting it. That was my re- one long shot recommendation. Ah, still regretting that one. But they won me a ton of money during the year. They had the biggest one season improvement win total in NCAA history. I believe they went from two and ten to two, twelve and two. Uh, there was writing was on the wall. They were really unlucky a couple of years ago. Just everything was in place to have a big year, but I think that they're a little overvalued now. The coordinator turnover is big. Some of the losses on defense are huge, Um, even at wide receiver, but specifically on the defense, in the back end, at linebacker and in the secondary, and I think they're going to really miss their defensive coordinator, who I just absolutely loved. Offense coordinator, maybe not as big a loss. I mean, I think Nagel was the play caller last year, but I think the D will take a major step back. Spears is just – it, he's was invaluable last year. They were just absolutely feed him, and you know I know they get the kid from Liberty, but their running back room is going to be worse off. It was five of their top seven pass catchers. They've been dominant against the spread at home since since Fritz has taken over. They're the number one against the spread team at home over that span, and they do host UTSA, which could be big for the division. But they don't get any of the four projected worst teams in the division. And I mean, look, here's the potential losses at Southern Miss. I mean, even South Alabama in the opener, but at home, but they get at Southern Miss, at Memphis, at FAU, you know, at Rice, at ECU. There's some tough games and UTSA is at home in the finale. Um, So I actually show some value on the under, and I think that there could be some regression going the other way. I think they've kind of reached their peak and then went beyond as far as value is concerned. So I'm actually looking to sell Tulane, might be win total under, might be win total under and a future on another team. I haven't locked in anything on this conference yet. Curious to get your guys' thoughts before I do that, but I'm looking to sell Tulane in some fashion.
4: Yeah. So as you'll hear as we go through these the rest of these teams, I'm kind of indirectly selling Tulane as well. Not, I'm not betting they're under, um, but just kind of playing other teams to kind of win the conference is how I'm doing it. Um yeah, I think the defense is going to take a massive step back. You mentioned Williams and Anderson, you know, their secondary loses Macon Clark, Jaden Kennedy, Larry Brooks. So I have a ton of questions about this defense. They lose two defensive coordinators because not only did they lose Chris Hampton, Oregon, they hired Lance Gidry, and then he leaves for Miami. So they've had to replace two defensive coordinators this off season. And the reason I'm not betting they're under is I think their offensive line is stacked. And I think Pratt is good enough where he provides them with such a safe floor that you can kind of pencil in eight wins just because of Pratt. Granted, he has to stay healthy. But I think Tajay Spears was their ceiling because you look, when you look down to the games that they needed to win to win the conference down the stretch, Cincinnati, beating Cincinnati to get into the conference title game against UCF in the championship game. And then against USC in the bowl game, Spears dominated those games and they don't win those games without spears they could you know he was more important than pratt in those games so i think when it comes down to those you know i don't think they beat utsa without spears but i think they could you know that's what i'm saying i think pratt gives them enough floor they'll beat the teams they should but i think when it comes down to the you know the bigger games they're not gonna be able to replace spears he was their ceiling so i'm staying away from them i still like them i'll probably bet them here and there but I'm fading them indirectly with some of the other teams. I'm looking to attack. All right, let's turn to some teams that have a little bit more
2: value. As I mentioned, Tulane two to one to win the conference. Then you get into this like close to four to one range with SMU and UTSA. We'll start with SMU, seven and six last year, five and three in conference. Their win total set at eight and a half. Ton of experience in the offense line coming back north at eighty three percent. Negative 5.5 in the net tarp. Most of it on offense, which some of it I think is a bit overrated. 12 starters returning, both specialists. Preston Stone finally getting the reins here. Four-star kid. The Stone Age. The Stone Age has begun. And Rhett Lashley has been effusive about the kid from day one. I think he did everything he could to make sure they didn't leave with Tanner Mordecai getting one more season ahead of him. But Mordecai now off to Wisconsin. It's Stone's time Rice is gone on the perimeter and clearly he was a a phenomenal player, a second round NFL draft pick, but I still like this receiving core. I mean, it's headlined by Jordan Curley, RJ Maryland at tight end. Plus they add Jalen Knight at running back. This offense, in my opinion, could be just as good or better even without, even with the loss of Mordecai and Rice, the defense, however, I have some questions. They couldn't stop the run last year. They have more to replace on that side of the ball. The schedule is interesting because really there's only one for sure loss, which is their trip to Norman, Oklahoma. They go to TCU, you know, in in a super short road trip. They're at Memphis. Those are their toughest games. No Tulane, no UTSA. So I think there's a lot of value for them to get to the AAC title game. And at plus 375, plus 380, make sure you shop around for the best number there. If you're a believer like I am in Preston Stone, maybe worth a shot here. I'll turn to you first. I know I know you had difficulty kind of parsing at the top of this conference. Is SMU a team that you're playing?
4: Yeah, there are they are. Um, I might end up with two conference title features. Just hope they face each other. Um, but SMU is going to be one of them. Um, you know, you mentioned Preston Stone. First of all, is there a Preston stone is the perfect name for a quarterback playing in Dallas, Texas. I mean, he was born for this job. He's mentioned it four star recruit had offers from Bama, Georgia, LSU, Ohio state, Penn state, everywhere. So I think he's going to be a stud. I agree with you. I don't think they're going to drop off much. Also, I I think what SMU is doing is really cool. You know, obviously they've been doing NIL since before it was cool or legal. Um, (laughs) But now they're really using it to their advantage. Their collective is paying $38,000 $38,000 per year to their entire team. So they're basically paying their players, which is awesome. I think it'll, you know, I think it'll give them depth, you know, 38 grand is not going to entice a high end quarterback, but I think that's going to help give them a lot of depth across the board. Um, you meant they had a ton of transfers come in from uh, Miami, Jalen Knight and at running back, you know, you mentioned the defense was atrocious, but I like how they, they only have four returning starters because a lot of their stuff returning, they had, I think they had two or three guys, who are back but lost their job, which I love <laughs> because that means they're they brought in better guys. Um, they brought in Elijah Roberts and Jordan Miller up front from Miami to help kind of shore up that defensive line. We'll see how that works. You look at their schedule from last year, too. Like they should have beaten Maryland. That game was brutal to watch down the stretch. I had SMU in that game. They should have beaten Cincinnati. So, you know, this could have been a nine-win team. And I think just all the transfers, the commitment from the school, I think it puts them in a great position where I think they know this conference is theirs for the taking. And I kind of like that, that they know that. And that gives them that motivation of like, we're the ones who are going to step up, be the big dogs. You mentioned it. They don't play Tulane. They don't play TSA. They don't play FAU. I think this game is a cakewalk. I think they're going to be favored in every conference game they play. Um, So this is my pick to win the conference. And mostly because I think, they have the best chance to get to the game. And then I'll love that plus three eighty or whatever it is in my pocket come early December. All right. Sherwood
2: blunt here is all over the pony express. Do you agree? Are you this bullish on the best team in the Dallas Fort West Fort worth Metro, or do you think that's uh SMU still has some to prove on defense stuck? Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's a
3: stone age. If you listened to our podcast last year, I've always been a huge Preston stone fan. I love him. I don't think there's going to be a drop-off at quarterback. Yeah, they'll miss Rice, but their skill positions are still solid. I love the offensive line. I And like you said, I know that the depth and the size is significantly better, especially on defense. And that's what this is all about. It's can the defense improve? And I think it can. They're just much bigger and stronger up front. Year two of... Uh, this staff, and they should go 6-0 and at home. We talked about who had the joke home schedule and our our Mac? Absolute clown. Who, who, Who had the clown home schedule? Eastern Michigan's home schedule is a joke. SMU's home schedule is a circus. They get La Tech, Prairie View, Charlotte, Tulsa, North Texas, and Navy. Like, come on. So, yeah, and you said it. They avoid Tulane, they avoid UTSA, and they avoid FAU. That's massive. And you're at Rice, at Temple, at ECU's down, and just might come down to that that game at Memphis. But they might be able to afford to lose that game and still get to the title. I trust in Stone, and the defensive improvement. I will also have a future. Don't love the win total. I mean, at OU, might I might play them, bet them at TCU, but if they lose lose those two games, and then you know, say you lose at Memphis. If you lose another game, you're not hitting that win total and you're probably not getting um, you know, to the conference title. You still might be able to, but I'd rather have the plus 380. And with two conference losses, there's still a chance you could. I think there's at the top, these teams could cannibalize themselves and you have that upside. So nothing on the win total. Stone age, give me the future.
2: We turn to really an interesting development here. We have not one, but two defending conference champions in the AAC. That, of course, is UTSA. They won Conference USA last year. Went perfect. A no in conference play, 11-3 overall. Their win total is sitting at eight, which I think is a little bit low. They're Just about 50% of their offensive line starts return, but four of those players have starting experience. Negative 6.5 in the net tarp. Most of those losses on offense. 15 returning starters in total, though, plus their punter. And here's, here's the, the headline. Frank Harris, we'll call him Dr. Frank Harris. He's back for his seventh year of college. He has 98 career touchdowns, 74 through the air, 24 on the ground. He took the leap up to superstardom last year, 41 total scores, over 4,000 yards passing. NIL money rolling in San Antonio, keeping him there for one more season. They do lose Zachary Franklin to the portal. He loses to Ole Miss. Another key loss here, they lose Willie Stein, their OC, to Oregon. Justin Burke filling in there. But the receiving core is still quite healthy. DeCorian and Clark is on track to return from an ACL injury. Joshua Cephas out at the bowl game with a DWI, but he's back. Apparently he's been cleared fully since January. Willie McCoy, they go in the JUCO ranks to get him. This guy could really pop as a transfer, an All-American kick returner at the JUCO level. And add in Barnes at running back, I think this offense is going to keep on clicking. I don't care about the the step up in competition because, honestly, the step up, I'm going to throw it in air quotes because the bottom three or four teams in this conference are just, you know, Conference USA retreads. So I'm not scared of the AAC. This isn't the same AAC with Houston and UCF and Cincy. Defensively, they could be special in the in the secondary. We know Rashad Wisdom coming back at safety. He's their quarterback, um, you know, way back there, making sure to to keep everything in front of them defensively, limit the big plays that they're giving up. They were middle of the pack in FBS scoring defense and rushing D. I think their pass defense gets a little bit better. They could have a top three or four defense in the AAC. And their schedule is is tough at the top end. You know, at Houston, that's a tough opener, particularly if you know DeCorean Clark coming back from his ACL isn't 100%. He said he's hoping to play. Uh, it, certainly if he plays the way he did before he got hurt, that's a huge plus. They're at Tennessee in September, at FAU, and at Tulane. That's why this win total is set at eight. I still like over. This is still my pick to win the AAC at plus 420, let's call it. Make sure to shop around there. I think they have the best quarterback here. I love the coaching staff. I understand they lose Will Stein, but Trailer is, is somebody who I believe in. It's the reason why he got the huge extension and he stayed committed. And I think an underrated home field advantage. San Antonio really shows out for them in the Alamo Dome. So I'm going to go ahead, meet, meet Roadrunners. Going to line this up to win their third straight conference championship two in a row at Conference USA and out here in the American and do I have, you know, think of the colors here, the, the blue and orange tinted glasses stuck, or do you think all this optimism is justified?
3: I think they're priced about right. Um, I do have some questions about some of the offensive line. I'm going to see how that comes together. And then in the secondary for sure, which might hold them back. They, their floor is very high here. If you look at their schedule, like they should win seven to eight games their over eight is juiced, uh, like closer to, you know, eight and a half. They're non – and they, and then 10 of their 12 opponents have new quarterbacks, which could work in their favor, having a really experienced quarterback back for his seventh year in Harris. But they have tough, tough non-conference road games at Houston and at Tennessee, and then they're at FAU and at Tulane in the finale. So I really think that if you like – so they're priced correctly to me – they were unlucky with injuries last year and they brought in the best group of five recruiting class. Definitely a program on the rise. They're going to lose at Tennessee. I, I think that the lose at FAU and at Tulane. Um, so basically like if you like this team and I, I think they're like, for, for my numbers, they're priced pretty close. I think, I think their win total comes down to the first game at Houston. They went, so and that game's what a pick, close to a pick somewhere, a coin flip. So if you really like them, that on the first week don't tie up your money for three months i really think that's what's going to decide their win total so pass for me but i'm fading the two conference winners in utsa and tulane not directly but indirectly like i know with uh other overs and futures so pass for me on the road runners meet me
2: paging dr harris do you agree with stuck or
4: with me i'm with you when I go down and do all my my previews and and research and everything, I go in alphabetical order. So I got the SMU and was like, "Love them, backing them to win the conference." This is my squad. And then I got to UTSA and I was like, "I'm gonna have to take them too because I I just I can't find a reason not to play them." You know, you can point to Tulane and say their defense and they lose Spears, and with them, it's like their only real concern is you know they lose Corey Mayfield and Clifford Chapman in the secondary, but. You mentioned it getting Rashad Wisdom back is he is the heart and soul of that good. defense. He was he was their best player in twenty twenty one, so I think getting him back almost offsets the two of them just because how good he is in like he's the heartbeat of that team. Their offense, you mentioned it, yeah, they lose to Card Franklin, but everyone else is back. Frank Harris is so good and he's gotten better all fifteen years he's been at UTSA. So like I don't even know that we, he's reached the ceiling yet. So their offense, I think, is going to be just an absolute weapon again you know, my only question is does does Jeff trailer win a conference USA title then win an American conference title and then leave for a power five job you know maybe he gets the Texas A and M job goes to the SEC for the three Pete three different conference titles in a row that'd be pretty impressive um yeah I just you know they don't have as many free wins as they did in conference USA you know they don't get Charlotte they don't get Tulsa which sucks and I think that that last game of the year, I I actually kind of agree with Stucky, where I'm taking them, I'm playing them against Houston in that game for sure, which is kind of why I'm not playing their win total. I'm just going to play them against Houston. I think I'm going to take them to win the conference as well. And I think that game, it comes down to that at Tulane game at the end, I think. That's kind of my way to fade Tulane, I guess, is play UTSA to win the conference. And ideally, it's UTSA. Save versus me in the conference title, and um, I got a plus, you know, 380 and a plus 450 tickets in my pocket it would be, that would be a nice, a nice early December.
2: We'll get into Memphis now. It's a little confusing to me, their win total as high as it is, but then when I look at their schedule, I can kind of see it. They're seven and six straight up last year. Overall three and five in conference play 61% of their offensive line starts return negative 1.5 in the net tarp, 10 returning starters. Both specialists are going to be new. They lost three games last year by three points or less, including a four overtime game against East Carolina, stupid NCAA two point conversion rules. Um, Seth Hannigan, third year as a starter, had a nice season last year 64% completions, 26 total TDs, only eight picks. He cooked Utah State in the bowl game. So, in terms of recency bias, the last look we got of the Tigers, they look strong. Some low key big wins in the portal. They get Blake Watson from Old Dominion, they get Demir Blancumsey from Toledo at receiver, AM and OU transfers on the D line. To me, though, it's like the schedule. Like, on one hand, I break it down. I'm like, there's a handful of gimmies. They got Bethune-Cookman, Arkansas State, UAB, which I'll talk about soon, USF with a new staff, Charlotte. But then they have this, like, weird four-game stretch that starts, I want to say, near the end of September. They got home against Navy. Then they got Mizzou and St. Louis, home against Boise State, and then home against Tulane, I could see just about anything happening in that window. I could see three and one or one and three. And I think it's going to have a huge impact on their momentum for the entire season. So this is a team that I've just, I haven't figured out. So I'm going to leave them on the sideline. You could make a strong argument for them to come, you know, from the outside of the leader pack at six or seven to one to win this thing. You can make an argument for over eight on their win total, but I'm going to start with Ionello on this one. The Tigers were just a team that I was scratching my head trying to just
4: visualize a narrative of how the season plays out. I talked about being in a weird spot where I'm like kind of playing the over on like all these top teams, but I like Memphis. You know, I mean I think Seth Hennigan is criminally underrated, you know, back-to-back seasons with over, you know, 3000 yards, 25 and eight, uh, 21, 22 and eight in 2022. So it protects the ball. I think he's only getting better. They need to get a little bit better in the deep game, but you mentioned the Toledo transfer. Apparently he is like absolutely turning heads in the spring and the coaching staff thinks he's going to totally up that deep passing game, which is kind of their weakness. You mentioned the depth at running back. They're loaded at running back. And so I, I really like that. The, the three linked um, receivers are gone, but like you said, I think if the Toledo transfer comes in and can help them, that'll help. Um, the defense loses its top two tacklers, but everyone else is kind of back. Um, it should do a better job of getting after quarterback. That was kind of an issue last year, but their DN should do a better job at that. The only thing that scares me with Memphis is their weird team where they've lost eight of their last 10 one score games over the last couple years. So, does that become coaching? Is that 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 was my my ask? My question is, does that mean they're due for regression, or does that mean they just can't win close games and that's going to just continue to be an issue? You know, Memphis was such a dominant program under Norvell and stuff. And then, you know, Silverfield kind of hasn't kept them or elevated them to that place. Looking at, you know, how our, our action network power ratings have them favored in 10 games. You know, they avoid UTSA. They get Tulane and SMU, but they're both at home. The only games that our action network power ratings have them underdogs in is Missouri and Tulane which are honestly both winnable games. You know, this team beat Mississippi state two years ago. I'm not saying they're going to beat Missouri, but they get Missouri in St. Louis. It's not a road, true road game. They could win that game. So I like over eight. I like that push because I think eight is kind of their floor. If that makes sense. So I, I, I picture them being, you know, eight, nine, win you know, 10 win team. So, I'm not going to buy them from a conference perspective, which I like the other teams, but I like, I like the over on Memphis. I'm going to take it. What do you think yourself?
3: Yeah. I'll, I'll echo all those sentiments and say, I I think they are due for some regression. I mean, last year, they outgained all but one AAC opponent. They were 0-4 in one possession games. And if you look at them, they lost, well, they lost four by one possession, three by six combined points. All five of their AAC losses were by 10 points or less. They lost that absurd game to Houston. I had Houston the luckiest win ever, like all these fourth down conversions late, onside kick, four overtimes to ECU. They also had the ball inside the 10 to win against SMU. Like, they they were just fluky. So, uh, yeah, I like this team. I like Hennigan. I like the schedule. They're also the only team in a league of 14 that returns the same head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and quarterback. Second year of both schemes. Very manageable road schedule. Also, if they beat SMU at home, Maybe that gets them over and then knocks SMU out. It's kind of a semi-hedged SMU as well, the
2: SMU future. But uh, I like the over eight as well. All right, let's turn now to an FAU team that went five and seven last year. They faded down the stretch, four and four in conference. Their win total set at seven and a half. Sixty percent of their line starts return plus seven in the net tarp, plus five on defense alone. Sixteen returning starters and their kicker. And the big headline here is the return of Tom Herman to the G five ranks. Here, I, just a, a quick spiel on the national narrative, which I think is is interesting. Generally, people judge coaches at their highest level, like right? wherever they elevate to, whether it's you know an elite Power Five job or they go to the NFL, and they view that as the true nature of their coaching. And I think Tom Herman is this weird situation where people are like, "See, he got fired at Texas. He was kind of a fraud." Just real quick, he went thirty-two and eighteen at Texas. He went four and zero in bowl games, including a Sugar Bowl win over georgia
1: we are not in a point in our program where we can not play our best and expect to win Um, it's it's not going to happen
2: whereas sarkeesian has as much you know rope as he he wants here everyone's just giving him a, a bunch of latitude and he'll get it figured out where tom herman it was like he was coaching for his life it seemed like the last two years and then when i look at his overall resume he was a star as an offensive coordinator at texas state when they were in the fcs Then he was a star as an OC at Rice. He turned them into a crazy dynamic offense with Chase Clement and James Casey and Dillard and all those guys. Then he transforms the offense at Iowa State, an offense that historically has never been all that potent, orchestrates one of the greatest upsets in the history of college football when they knock off Oklahoma State when they were two in the BCS, ruin their national title chances, goes to Ohio State, overcomes all the quarterback injuries, wins them a national title. Kills it at Houston and G5 ranks, leads them with, you know, a wide receiver turned quarterback all the way to a New Year's Six Bowl. And they just whip Florida State. And then, like I mentioned, you know, he did well at Texas. He just didn't break through and lead them to a college football playoff bid or, you know, a national title or anything like that. I think this guy's a great coach. And then I look at what he has offensively to work with here, whether it's Casey Thompson or Daniel Richardson, at quarterback. The weapons are all there for this to work because Larry McCannon, the third is one of the best running backs in this conference. Kobe Lewis, AKA low key Lewis coming in from central Michigan. I think he went for a thousand yards a couple of years ago for the chips. LaJonte Wester out on the perimeter. I love what they have on offense. I think this could be the surprise offense of the AAC. The defense has nearly the entire back seven back seven of their top eight tacklers, tough opening month in terms of who they draw Ohio. One of the best G five teams at Clemson at Illinois, but I'm bullish on this team. I'm going over on their win total as my favorite play on a win total in this conference. And I think there's plenty of value on them at eight to one. I'd love to get just a little bit better plus eight fifty nine to one. I'm going to shop around. I'll start with you stuck. Do you agree with my assessment of Herman that for some reason he has all this negativity around him and that he had to settle for a job at FAU when honestly he's been really a great coach for about 20 years.
3: Yeah. Herman won me a bunch of money. I'm a Herman guy and I will be, betting an FAU future here shop around for best number. My hope is FAU versus SMU in the conference championship game. FAU avoids SMU for what it's worth. They also avoid Memphis and they host UTSA and Tulane. Those are the top four projected teams, very manageable road conference schedule at USF at Charlotte, at UAB at rice. I mean, come on, just the schedule alone, Casey Thompson, I actually love the offensive line. I love the offensive line coach hire. I think the offensive line can be really good. You mentioned they have one of the best backs in the conference. Thompson now playing at this level, I think can actually exceed what Perry did. And Perry was actually much more efficient than I thought he was going to be. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think that this uh, experienced defensive line can take a jump as well. They've returned five starters in secondary. Like I, There's a lot to like about this team, some of the transfers they bought in. Add in the schedule. I think that's a big coaching upgrade across the board. I'm buying FAU. Give me an FAU future to go along with my Stone Age future.
2: I don't know if they named Thompson the starter already. Obviously, Daniel Richardson in the mix. Yeah. Remind me, Ionello, did you call him the Raymond Felton of college football back in the yes. day? He's sawed off. He's like 5'9", 230 pounds, but he was a playmaker for the chips. Like I wouldn't hate if he was the starter either.
4: Yeah, he's like a fire hydrant with legs. Uh, it's funny I I wrote down basically the same exact thing as you is it, you know it's easy to remember Texas Tom Herman but he went 22 and 4 at Houston when he was the coach there the, he hey Willie Fritz is the only other coach with an AAC title in this conference other than Tom Herman so you know he kind of gives me the I'm kind of having the, the Clay Helton Georgia Southern vibe there's the same thing with that Clay Helton comes in takes him to a bowl revamps the offense like Tom Herman is a very good coach and, and I think I mentioned it on the Mac podcast. I don't know what order these are coming out, but if I'm saying this for the second or first time, I have a very tiny brain and I see something and I remember it. And Casey Thompson in that bowl game against Colorado looked like the best quarterback on the planet. And guess who his coach was in that game. It was Tom Herman. And then sure. He went to Nebraska and struggled, but he had a Muppet as his coach. So I think Casey Thompson is this court is their quarterback. I'm hoping he is. Um, but I do also like Daniel Richardson as well. He really tailed off last year, but he was great in 2021, a guy we loved. They have so many weapons on both sides, you know, top seven, uh, seven, top eight tacklers. You mentioned UTSA and Tulane at home. And again, you look at their schedule, you know, their road conference games are South Florida, Charlotte, UAB, Rice. That should be four wins. You beat Ohio, that's five. You know, you, you need two wins against Tulsa, UTSA, ECU, and Tulane, and all of them are at home. So I love the hire of Herman. I promise my AAC Love Fest stops here because there's only so many teams I can invest in, but I do like over seven and a half. Okay, cool, hook them. Or, or is it okay, cool, whoom? Cool, cool, is that whoom? Cool, is that what they're going to say now for the Owls? I'm I'm all in on this team too.
3: Yeah, I think it'll be Thompson to get the job because, like you said, he has. It's tough, you know, new head coach, off quarter, and defense, quarter, and a quarterback in year one. But, you know, Thompson played for him and knows the system. And um, he's
4: slinging it in that game.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I think that that. That gives them the leg up, but it doesn't hurt to have um, it doesn't hurt to have uh, quarterback depth, which they certainly do. If there's an injury or someone is ineffective, and uh, yeah, hashtag winning in paradise
2: is what they say for FAU down there and <laughs> Boca Raton. All right, uh,
3: we'll,
2: we'll pick up some steam here for the middle class citizens of the AAC. We'll start with North Texas, seven and seven last year, six and two in conference. Their win total set at six. 80% of their O-line starts return, and that's important because they have a new offensive system. They're plus 4.5 in the net tarp, 13 returning starters. I think this is a alarm bell over team because when you look at what they have in Eric Morris's pass-happy system, Chandler Rogers comes in from ULM, one of the more underrated G5 quarterbacks, in my opinion. Experienced a receiver in Roderick Burns, Ragsdale at running back, as I mentioned, the talented line. But on defense, they're switching over to a three-three-five. Not a whole lot of experience. It's going to take time to gel. I think there's going to be a lot of very high-scoring games involving the mean green. Tough schedule at Tulane, Memphis at home, UTSA at home, at SMU. So I, I think this number is just about right and maybe lean to the under. But with this offensive system, if it pops and Rodgers is the guy to run it, they could really surprise, but I'm just going to look to play them in a lot of overs, particularly in the front half of the season. Stock, what are your thoughts on the mean green and Eric Morris coming in? You know, a Ballyhooed coach at the FCS level, what he did at Incarnate Word, it didn't quite pop last year as the OC at Wazoo, but maybe it does now that he's back in the state of Texas. The
3: Air Raid usually the first year you're going to struggle and you can look at like Leach's first years. They're usually a struggle. He's been uh, RIP to the goat, Mike Leach and Morris is a Leach disciple but he's he's gonna. There's a lot of change here, and you got a first time first time roles for your your uh, coordinators and head coach. So he wants to bring the air raid in a wide open passing attack. But the the strength of this team is their running back room and their rushing prowess. So like I've read a couple articles down there, and I forget whatever the Denton paper is, something Denton Gazette, whatever the fuck it is, uh, talking about how like Morris wants to blend. They're going to try to blend the air raid with this their strength of the team which is their running backs like might use two running backs and so and then you got all this experience on the offensive line but usually that's a struggle in the first year of changing splits and new scheme you're changing the scheme on defense too i'm worried about their linebackers um and they just struggled across the board last year so a lot of change here um so it's a team i'm just going to be looking to buy on a week-to-week basis over six minus 115 with all the change i would lean under i might actually look to Bet them week one, but against Cal as a home dog, Um, little element of surprise there. The schedule's tough, though. They don't get Charlotte or USF. They go to lane and SMU. They host UAB, UTSA, and Memphis. That means they get five of the top six teams in the league and only three of the seven worst of my projected standings. So, like, where your your gimme wins, it's like Temple at home, Abilene at home, at FIU, and then like a lot of your tough games are on the road and I think they play the, the it's, they didn't, they lost the schedule lottery of um. But it's a wait and see for me. I'm curious to see how this transition happens. If I had a bet, it'll go under just all the change. And usually the air raid kind of blend it with this rushing offense too. It's going to be some
4: struggles, but pass for me on North Texas. Do you agree, Ianello? It looks like we're, we're going under. Yeah. I hate, I hate everything this team did. I, I hate this hire, you know, well, first of all, let's pour one out for the fact that Austin on decided not to come back for his age 30 season, which he did somehow have eligibility left. He could have came back if he wanted to. We would have had a 30 year old playing quarterback, RIP to Asanani. I hate what this team's doing. Stucky mentioned that they, you know, first of all, firing staff the trial after he reaches the conference title game and reached the bowl in six of his seven. Disgraceful. Years. It makes, Disgraceful. It makes no sense. And then they have three stud running backs Adaway, Adai, and Ragsdale. I don't know how they kept all of them there. I don't know why the hell all three of them came back. They all averaged 58 yards per game last year. And over the last two years, when they ran the ball, they were great. And they bring in Chandler Rogers, who, by the way, is a better runner than he is a passer to begin with. They should never throw the ball. So for them to be running an air raid is so stupid and makes no sense. I hate it. Their whole defense is switching up to to a 3-3-5. which isn't going to work because they're super small up front. They lose Katie Davis, their star linebacker. And you mentioned the schedule. It's kind of funny because they basically have about as easy as a non-con as you can get in the G5, but then their conference schedule just screws them. They don't get any of the easy teams in the Atlantic or the American. So I hate what they're doing. I think I'm going to stay away. I might end up playing an under just out of anger, but yeah, I don't like this team at all. So you mentioned Austin on We
2: talked about, you know, um, UTSA and their seventh year wonder quarterback. It's just not fair that ECU couldn't bring Holden Aylers back for one more year. <laughs> I feel like everyone was just getting a seventh year. So poor one out for Ailers. ECU eight and five last year, four and four in conference, their win total all the way down to five and a half, only 41% of their line starts return negative 10.5 in the net tarp. Woof negative seven on offense alone. That's tied for the worst in FBS only 10 returning starters in total, both specialists, new faces everywhere at Michigan versus Marshall at app state SMU at UTSA to lane at home. Uh, I mean, I've historically always really liked ECU. I think they have a great home field advantage. They have one of the best sports bars in America, sup dogs. Their run defense is going to be pretty good. You know, they're strong against the the run last year. They returned their entire D line, but, huge concern in the secondary. I think they're going to get shredded through the air. This is the year I think they finally have to take a step back. Mike Houston has to have a rebuilding year. Stuck, do you agree a a team that's kind of been banging up against like maybe getting to the nine and 10 win window if they were able to upset a team like NC state, they couldn't quite pull it off. They seem to be so close, but I think this is the year they take a few steps back. Do you agree? Yeah. Under nothing with ECU,
3: RIPLers. I mean, this kid, Mason, he is a big arm and has some potential, but, Big losses at receiver with Johnson Winsett, also Jones at tight end, who I love. And, you know, inexperienced offensive line. Defense, too, big losses on the back end. The D-line will still be good and will be decent against the run, but big losses on the back end. They'll need some FCS transfers to step up. Schedule-wise, they also play five of the top six and only three of the bottom seven. You got some wins that you think you'll have there. Gardner-Webb at home, Charlotte at home, Tulsa at home. You know, they match up well with Navy. They're at Navy. Yeah, can they steal one or two? Sure, I think they're priced close to. Uh, I show a little value in the under, not wildly. It's under or nothing with ECU. I do think they take a step back. Lots of losses everywhere. Although they do have coaching continuity, um, at least. But yeah, uh, major losses across the board for ECU. Under or nothing.
4: Any quick thoughts here, Anella? I just think it sucks because last year's team would have been so much fun in this new American because. Last year's team is right up there with SMU Memphis challenging for the top spot. So it just sucks that the timing wise worked out this way. But yeah, I'm with you stuck under nothing. I think, you know, if you, their win total is five and a half. When you look at the schedule in this team, to me, six is their absolute ceiling. So I'm not going to want to play over five and a half on a team where I don't think there's a chance of getting seven wins. So yeah, I, I lean under as well. If it was a crime that whole
2: nailers didn't get a seventh year eligibility, talk about a major crime in Ken Niamatololo getting fired at his locker. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just the greatest coach in the last 60 years at Navy, but go ahead and unceremoniously can me in the locker room. Just absolutely ridiculous. Need to get that off my chest right away. Navy, four and eight last year, four and four in conference. Their win total set at six and a half. You actually get plus money, plus 125 on the over. Close to 80% of their line starts return, plus six in the net tarp, which is unheard of in the transfer portal era for a service academy team to have so much coming back, plus 3.5 on D. 16 returning starters, plus their punter. Brian Newberry in for Niamatololo. The Ken- Kennesaw State offense has taken over more RPOs, more short passing, but it's still the triple just to keep this in mind for our audience. Fabian France is a big name to watch. He converted from corner to starting slot back. They said he's hidden home runs left and right in the run game. The OC that they bring in Kennesaw State 10th and rushing last year at the FCS level. They're going to be an FBS edition next year in Conference USA. So go Owls. Great run defense from Navy last year. Second nationally, I understand that has a lot to do with pace. But guess what? The clock is not stopping on those timeouts in college football starting next year. So I think shortening the game, shrinking things down, fewer possessions, it's only going to get better for Navy. And they return six players in their front seven. I love the schedule. No Tulane, no UTSA. They're at Memphis and they're at SMU. I'm chalking those up as losses, but I'm going over here. I think this is a bounce-back year for Navy. It's been a couple years in the wilderness for them. I think this change, but not a wholesale change on offense, is the right way to go about things. I like Brian Newberry. I think he's a great defensive mind, and I think Navy will continue to play well on that side of the ball. So I'm going to go with the mids, over 6.5. Ainello, you're wincing a little bit, so
4: let me know how
2: you feel about this.
4: First of all, I do agree. Firing Kenny Matalolo in the locker room is basically a war crime. Um, Yes, thank you very much. What happened to Honor in, in our military? Um, but I do like Newberry as a hire. I think it was a great hire because you mentioned it, the defense in this, you know, not that it's hard to transfer out of Navy, but in the portal era, you know, hiring your defense coordinator and your defense was nasty. They kept basically their entire defense together. They returned almost all their starters. So I think that really helped. I have a lot of concerns with Navy. In fact, I lean under. I don't know that I can take it just because it's kind of like un-American, but, you know, they lose all their, they lose both their outside linebackers who's their quarterback, you know, uh, Lavatai missed the spring because he has he had knee surgery. Xavier Har- Arline missed the spring because he had, like, lacrosse, which <laughs> – so it's like you're running a new – kind of new offense. You know, the option's all about rhythm and reps, and they didn't have their two quarterbacks. So, you know, maybe T- Teddy Gleaton's basically listed as a starter kind of just added default because he's the only one there. He's their
3: best passer too, I think. True.
4: Yeah, Navy's the perfect example of why – success rate is so important because when you look at 241 rushing yards per game, fourth most in the country, you think dominant rushing attack and they're great at it. No, they just run the ball every play. So they rack up yards. They ranked 110th in the country in rushing success on offense. And they've been in the one hundreds the last like three years, they don't run the ball. Well, they just do it every play, but they're not good at it. They, they get a yard and a half a play. So, yes, the military, you know, throwing the ball with these military academies might help, but I lean under six and a half. I probably won't play it. I did play them against Notre Dame uh, in that first game, but I just, I never, I don't think Navy's very good. They just, they can't run the ball well. That's all they do. And they don't do it well. So I'm off this team. All
2: right. Do you think the Kennesaw offense is enough to jumpstart this Navy offense, which clearly it needed a change, whether they're going to fire their head coach or move in a different direction with their OC, something had to change. And it has has that moved you to potentially view them differently, Stuck? Uh, let's wait and see. We're going to see how much
3: more RPO and how much more passing they do. There, I almost never bet Service Academy totals preseason. I mean, because they play each other, and those games are always going to be so close. They know each other so well, that, and that's two games on your schedule. I mean, I think their absolute ceiling, if they win all the games they should, is nine. You know, you know their floor you have it's probably – four or five. So I think if they're priced about right and it's just going to come down to these service Academy games, they got a really easy a ski schedule that they avoid UTSA Tulane FAU, but they're a big dog still worth betting week one. Yes. But uh, yeah, nothing on the total. Okay, before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions.
5: Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 next step Call or text the Tennessee Red line at 1-800-889-9789 or call one 777 9696 in Mississippi in Ontario. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 531 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York.
2: Let's look quick quickly here at Temple. It seemed that went three and nine last year, one and seven in conference play. Their win total set at a surprising 5.5, 63% of their own line starts return, plus 2.5 in the net tarp, 13 returning starters. It's EJ Warner time. I mean, the kid got thrown into the fire last year, but his final four games, he averaged 381 passing yards, 10 TDs to three picks. The line should be better with you know more experience and a new left tackle from the portal, so they should be able to run a little bit more, at least in theory. The defense was pretty darn good against the pass last year, and they have experience in that secondary, and the schedule is key. The reason it's 5.5 is, five and a half. They got winnables against Akron, Norfolk state at Tulsa. That one's a short. So that's a little tricky Rutgers. You could throw in there (laughs) at North Texas at USF at UAB. It's a pass for me. I I think they are going to be more competitive. I think maybe the, the win total by the end of the year won't totally reflect that. I see them getting to four or five wins. So it's kind of a pass for me, but I do like what they did where they're like, listen, it's a transition year. we got to see what we have in Warner. They certainly got some good returns by the end of the season. Just some some quick thoughts on the Owls, the Owls number two here in the AAC. What do you think about Temple, Ainella?
4: Yeah, I I love E.J. Warner. I think he was awesome. You mentioned it, torched South Florida, torched Houston, torched ECU down uh November. Another thing that's notable is uh, their former quarterback, former Georgia quarterback, Dewan Mathis, is transfer- uh, converting to wide receiver. Apparently, he looked really good. I was reading a lot. Lot of things that he was like turning heads in the spring, he's super fast, so that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, I think they, they took a big jump on defense. I think they'll be good again. You mentioned the schedule's doable, you know, they could start two and one. And they're, I mean, they could be Rutgers, they're, they'll have the best quarterback on the field against Rutgers. Um, you know, the toughest conference games, UTSA, I mean, they beat SMU. Rutgers, they,
3: they'll be they could start three and oh.
4: yeah. UTSA, SMU, Memphis, hard games, but they're all at home. I still don't think they win them. What sucks is they got screwed because their most winnable conference game is probably against Tulsa. And it's on a Thursday night, sure, five week days after
3: hosting Miami. Yeah. Five
4: days after playing Miami, which sucks. I think five and a half, I, I'm high in this team. I'll bet them a lot. I'll bet them against Rutgers. Five and a half is a little high. I saw like Colin Wilson took a over four and a half the initial opener. I would have taken that. I think five and a half is a tad high, but I do like this team on a week to week basis. What yeah, do you think
3: so. I, I would I would agree with all that. I wanted to bet them, and they were zero and four in one possession games last year. Bottom ten in turnover margin. You got to remember they were really unlucky overall in Drayton's first year, and then even before the start of the year, they got crushed by transfers, and it was just a mess. And I'm a big fan of Warner, so I was looking to to back this team, but I just can't at this number with this schedule. You mentioned that that Tulsa spot is brutal. You know, we, we even said Akron's going to be feisty in the opener. Um, they get UTSA, Memphis, and SMU are three of their four home league games. That's brutal. And the conference, I mentioned conference opener at Tulsa on a short week is after hosting Miami is brutal. And then, like, your, your easiest games are all on the road uh, at North Texas, at USF, and at UAB. At USF and at UAB, rebuilds. And then you have to play them later in the year, which isn't great either. So I hate the schedule across the board. So it's uh, you know, a team I wanted to buy, but I just can't. So it's a pass. But like I know, I'll be looking to bet them and uh, tweet out some OWL gifts for sure. The OWL gifts are
2: back this year.
5: <laughs> Who? Who? Who?
3: Are you fucking OWL?
2: Here's an under team UAB, seven and six last year, four and four. Their win total set at four and a half. You can actually get plus money, plus 125 on the under. One of the reasons, 14.3% of their line starts return. That's the worst in the FBS. Net TARP, negative 12. That's the worst overall in the nation. Offensively, negative seven. Worst in the nation there as well. Six returning starters in total, plus their kicker. Dwayne McBride is gone. I have no idea how he slid to the seventh round of the NFL draft, but that was a mistake because the guy is a monster. Jermaine Brown Jr., I really like him. He's a good back, but he's sub 200 pounds at 5'8". He's not going to be able to run as often as McBride did, and I'm out on the Jacob Zeno experience because of Trent Dilfer.
0: We can't forget the football. If you want to be a fire breather, make sure you sign up today.
2: So, well, let's get into Trent Dilfer here. Let me let me stretch a little bit. Cook him. Here we go. Let's do a little trivia. How many seasons of his 14 did he complete more than 60% of his passes in the NFL? What do you what do you think, Ionello? 1? 0. He went zero. 0 in 14 NFL seasons. He threw more picks than touchdowns in his career. He actually only had three seasons where he threw more TDs than picks. He had a 500 record in the NFL, but apparently he's a, just a savant. He's just one of the smartest guys who ever looked. Oh, elite 11, you know, who could possibly coach up five stars from across the country? Oh, but you know, he won those, you know, state titles at Lipscomb Academy in double-A football of Tennessee. I'll go full Big Earn McCracken on that. Ooh, I'm so excited by your experience there, Trent.
0: Within learning comes reflecting. Pouring knowledge and wisdom into the cups of our leaders.
2: So he gets the job, right? After beating up Bo Dawson, one of his tight ends, uh, knocking him down the sideline of high school football, screaming at him during a game. The guy is a total head case. So I thought to myself, you hired him in the same vein of like hiring some of these big name coaches that don't have a ton of experience. He'll surround himself with a coaching staff that has tons of experience. No, not Trent Dilfer. He's the smartest guy in the room. He's got 10 full-time assistants coaching positions. Seven of them have never done that before. I want this job. I want the city of Birmingham to say, no, that's our city. That's our coach. So here we go. One last thing on Trent Dilfer before I get myself all worked up into a lather. I think he's going to lose this locker room really quickly. You saw a lot of people transfer out. You saw him make a lot of waves and say a lot of dumb crap in the offseason.
0: This promise I will make. I'll make very few promises, but this promise I will
2: make. You will get the best of me. Speaking of crap, one of the punishments that he has for his players is they have to clean up his dog's poop from outside of the facility. His Rhodesian Ridgeback that he named Nala, Why do you name him Nala? Well, Rhodesian Ridgebacks, for those not in the dog world, they help hunt lions. It's kind of like naming a Labrador duck. This guy is just an absolute schmuck. I can't wait to see him just absolutely flame out. And I hope he does it. So quickly that he doesn't ruin a program that Bill Clark built. Because I actually love the Blazers. I love their story, their you know Phoenix rising from the ashes story and staying at the FBS level. But Trent Dilvers not the guy, and he's not going to turn around this team. I'm hammering under, and when you look at the schedule, there's only two gimme's the whole way: North Carolina A and C, and home against USF. That is it. He is going to get outclassed and outcoached against Georgia, Tulane, UTSA, all on the road. This is the sky is falling season for the Blazers. I'm going under. This is one of my top unders in all of G5 lands. Love fading Trent Dilfer. I know. Please jump in on this funeral. Throw some dirt on this grave.
0: The Blazers had the team. We're fired up to continue.
4: That's Trent Dilfer being like all these power five coaches sliding into my players DMs. Buddy, nobody's sliding into Jacob Zeno's DMs. By the way, come try to get my
0: guys. I dare you <laughs> power fives. I got a pretty big platform that I can step on. Yeah. And if I find you in my kids' DMs, I'm going to call your ass out and it's going to make game day and it's going to make Sports Center. Because, by the way, those guys running Sports Center are still my friends. Like their
4: roster is bad. He's all like, everyone's poaching my play. No one's poaching your players, Trent. Your players are not very good. I'm with you. The The, the hire of OC and DC are bananas. He's an, an assistant or an analyst and then a, a high school DC. Yeah, I think this is going to be bad. I'm with you. I think he loses. His his deck's going to get real old real quick.
2: Yeah, I can't wait for his, like, Tony Robbins, fake inspirational bullshit speeches on the sideline at halftime when he's getting crushed by 55 points at Georgia. You know, it's all about adversi- adversity. It's going to be a lot of adversity there, Trent, to pass around. So good luck in year one. Well,
0: Blazer Nation, made it really clear, there's no reason to trust me.
2: Stuck, what do you think? Yeah, under,
3: under, under, sell, sell, sell. Yeah. Awful hires. It's like a high school staff going up in class conference-wise with 11 starts back on the offensive line. You lose your good quarterback. You're running back to the NFL. your top receiver. I'm not a Zeno guy. You do have a good running back, but now you want to be a pass-first offense on a scheme that is – for a team that's excelled running the ball. Yeah, bottom five experience uh, overall. Big losses. Linebacker secondary. Yeah, Fish McWilliams, Tuazama are good on the defensive line. That's about it. This is uh all-sell. All sell all the time. UAB under, favorite under, and I think the only under I have uh, penciled in to bet coming into this podcast. So, yeah, we're selling.
2: Dilfer, even though, won a Super Bowl in Baltimore. Under UAB. So don't care if you blackball me. All right. I'll talk about two teams with their win total set of four and a half uh, to kind of combo this up. I'm surprised they're both you know graded out at four and a half and that's usf they won just one game they went winless in conference last year and tulsa that won five games so we'll start with the bulls 20 percent returning O line starts that's tied for second worst in the fbs but they're plus 2.5 in tarp 12 starters new coach and alex golish who built a dynamic passing attack at tennessee i I get that unfortunately jerry bohannon is their quarterback so i'm not sure year one is going to work out they can't pass block they have no game breakers that are established at this point the defense returns a ton, but they were buried in the deep 120s in almost every metric. Uh, this is essentially an auto win for anyone that we're going through on the AAC schedule. And then when you look at their wins, they'll beat the Rattlers of Florida A&M. They'll beat Charlotte both at home. That's it. They got to play at Western Kentucky and Alabama early. They're going to get lit up like a Christmas tree. And now let me turn to Tulsa and then I'll package it you know, back to you guys. Tulsa returns 80% of their offensive line um, in terms of overall starts, conversely, you know, up against the Bulls but they're negative 12 in the net tarp, negative seven on offense, nine returning starters. They lose, lose Davis Brin to Georgia Southern, maybe a reclamation project, you know, part two for um, you know, the Eagles down there after reworking their offense last year and having that breakout passing attack. Braylon Braxton got a lot of experience last year. So you can say that in a positive for the golden hurricane and Ken Wilson's back. So the head coach ranks after leading Ohio state for their OC for years. I think he kind of got a bad rap at Indiana, to be honest. Like he finished with back-to-back six win teams, took two straight Hoosiers teams to bowl games. Like, I don't know exactly what they expect. He walked into an absolute rebuild there. um. So he, he could be the coach to get this going. Not sure he's going to do it in year one. The defense could be really, really bad this year, but they have four uh, power five transfers coming in in their back seven. So the talent maybe could be there. And then the winnables, I think this is what's interesting. This is why I'm confused that Tulsa and South Florida have the same win total. The Golden Hurricanes winnables, Arkansas Pine Bluff at NIU, home against Temple, home against Rice, home against Charlotte, home against North Texas, and at ECU. So that's what? That's seven games there. Could they go five and two? Potentially. So they have sparked my interest far more than the Bulls. How do you think about these two teams? You put them in the exact same tier stuck, or are you playing them differently?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you're a little biased there in the description of their schedules. Like, so I'm not playing either. Um, I could, I think they're both priced about right. Look, USF one in 33 to last 34 against FPS teams. It's gonna be a brand new offense. I think it was a good hire. They don't have the horses this year, but you know, if you look at their schedule, they I think that you could argue they have five winnable home games: Florida AM, and Rice, Florida Atlantic. Uh, we'll throw that out. We'll say four: Temple and Charlotte. But we just talked about how down we are on UAB, that they go to UAB and then they go to Navy. Like, Navy, they, what the, what does Navy do? Like, they're going to play bad teams close. They're going to, like, Navy's going to upset someone and then lose to someone they shouldn't. Um, you know, so I think for, if I had to bet it, I'd probably fade all of the change. But with the schedule and with my numbers, I get to just, I think I'm at, yeah, 4.1. So I actually got to 4.1, and then part of that is being so low on UAB, and and then with Tulsa, uh, I'm at 4.35. Um, so this is a this is a rebuild. I mean, look, they're they're bottom 15 in experience, brutal non-conference after the opener, and you do get Charlotte, Rice, Temple, and North Texas at home in league play. So yeah, I guess that their floor maybe is a little higher um but i'm uh i'm passing on both no interest in both teams rebuilding
2: year for both could be interesting not this season but next i i, I agree with that assessment i or you came into your money I don't what, maybe
4: you guys maybe I'll, i'm looking at it wrong but i'm a pass on south florida i agree with you guys where i like the moves they make i like what they're doing. 130th in total defense last year i find it hard to believe they're you know they've only won four games in the last three years now they're supposed to win five i don't think he's that good of a coach so they're a stay away from me but i have written down tulsa under and maybe i'm too low on them but it's like you know they lost their quarterback top two running backs top two receivers top two defenders you know the defense wasn't terrible against the pass, but they lose Justin Wright and Anthony Goodlow at uh, linebacker, who I think were both very good. So now I think the run defense is going to be pretty sketchy. They didn't even hire a defensive coordinator until spring ended. So they have not had their DC go through spring practice, which I think is a massive concern. They have very little depth across the board. So, you know, they won five, five games last year. I think they take a step back Our power ratings only have them favored in two games and they're only an underdog of a touchdown or less in one game. So based on our power ratings, we expect them to get blown out in you know, nine games. So, you know, we talked about I'm I'm high on temple. We'll talk about rice, but I I think rice is probably better than Tulsa to be honest with you. And so I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of down on Tulsa. So I, I actually like their under four and a half. I will actually, say, I think
3: that the new staff's going to fix, like Tulsa was having like culture, discipline, penalty issues. I think that the new staff could fix a lot of that low-hanging fruit. I don't hate the under-call, but um, no play for me on either team.
2: I actually left out one more team at four and a half. Let's wrap this up here with Rice. They went five and eight last year, three and five in conference. But what's interesting to me for a team like Rice, they get gifted a bowl game, which meant those extra practices – They have 80% of their returning O-line starts. They're plus seven, which was tied for the best in the AAC in the net tarp. Plus 4.5 on offense alone, 12 returning starters in the punter. They get JT Daniels in a quarterback who's, you know, mystery box. But what's interesting to me right off the bat is, like, are they a positive regression candidate on turnovers? They turned over 32 times last year. That was absolute worst in the FBS. So if you're making some arguments for these teams where it's like, when something was so extreme last year, it can't get any worse. I agree. Like if you turned over 24 times, it would be a significant improvement and you'd still be a turnover happy squad. I love their receiving core with Rosner and McCaffrey. Lots of experience on the line. Defense could work their way into like the 90s in scoring defense. I'm not going to say that they're going to be lights out by any stretch, but I don't think in a conference that could see a lot of really bad defenses that they'll be mentioned in the same breath. And then starting September 16th, they're home against Texas Southern at South Florida home against ECU versus Yukon difficult game in that stretch, but then at Tulsa. So I like that, but then I look at the last five games, home against Tulane, home against SMU at UTSA at Charlotte home against FAU. So if I'm going over on the wins, I'm going to know by mid October because they're not squeezing out more than one win down the stretch. And that'll be at Charlotte. Um, JT Daniels I just wonder from a psychological perspective where he's at like he's got good weapons and he has support here but like does the kid even want to still be a a starting quarterback at this point like he's bounced around so much USC to Georgia to West Virginia like it hasn't worked so the question is can he get some positivity some success early and then buy in because I think this rice team has it to go back to a bowl game and to win six games so I'm going to go over on the win total what do you think stuck about a team that shot itself in the foot so much last year just by luck of the draw and you know probability to get a little luckier this time?
3: Yeah, I, I like the price team. Um if you want to get crazy and take a long shot, this would be it. But I don't I don't think they have the horses. But I think Daniel's I think he wants to
2: play. Like why would he also would he go to Rice and
3: he, well, yeah, he wants a really like good standard. degree?
2: I mean, it's probably the best school in the AAC. So I maybe mean, if, if he just wants a nice uh, you know graduate degree. Um he yeah, I mean he he was recruited by
3: Blunger 10 years ago when he was a freshman in high school. And I think he'll have a really good like Rice just haven't hasn't had a quarterback play. And they run like a complex pro-style offense. Apparently they're going to use more tempo this year. I think he'll, he's a really good fit, especially with that wide receiver room and uh their tight end Bradley, is who I really like. So I mean you could argue they have nine winnable games, right? Like at Texas, we'll say Houston's a loss. But I mean it's Houston's at home it's they're, they're both in the city of Houston I mean I, I guess they could pull an upset there at UTSA will say is a loss but the rest I mean I just couldn't quite get there considering that they face five of the top six in the conference four of them are at home so like yeah they they face the bottom three but they're you know on the road like at Tulsa at Charlotte at USF do we trust this rice team to win on the road yet I don't know. I'll be looking to play them on a game-to-game basis. Lean over, didn't quite get there, but uh, I like the Daniels get.
4: Yeah, so Zach Sam is Stucky. I like Daniels, but he's kind of a question mark. Do we get a five-star? Do we get the quarterback we've seen? I like what Bloomgren's, uh, Bloomgren's been doing. They've had four of the last five recruiting classes in program history over his tenure, and to be honest, if you look at what they've done since he took over, two wins, three wins, four wins, five wins, so six wins this year. You can go ahead and book that. Um But seriously, when I look at the schedule, I think, you know, the way I broke it down was Texas, Tulane, SMU, UTSA, are losses, two wins, you give them Texas, Southern, and Charlotte. That means they need to go three and three against Houston, South Florida, ECU, UConn, Tulsa, FAU. So I'll probably just pick three or four of those games to bet them in instead of playing their total. But I would lean over, but I'll probably just bet them against, you know, South Florida, ECU, and Tulsa and just call it a day. Yeah. So if you're following along, just to, to quickly recap,
3: I know uh likes all Everybody. uh 14 overs. Um, I don't like UAB. I don't so, like UAB. <laughs> well, 13 overs and UAV under. Um, so hopefully we can go uh eight and six on those. But in all seriousness, I like my two futures are SMU, it's the Stone Age, and FAU. We're back in Herman, and presumably the Casey Thompson upside, and most importantly, both of those schedules. And then I'm semi-fading Tulane. and utsa who i think are a tad overvalued win totals uab under all the way we're fading Dilfer and this disaster waiting to happen and uh i'm actually gonna go memphis
2: over eight.
4: in theory half my over should hit
2: yes in theory all right here we go I'm, i'm gonna go quickly utsa plus 410 i'm also gonna play fau as well i'm a believer in tom herman you know eight to one to win the conference hammer in the under on UAB. Just remember, Trent Dilfer had a Dilfer Dimes segment on ESPN where he talked about accuracy. And as I pointed out, he didn't complete 60% of his passes one goddamn season in the NFL. So the guy's a joke. He's a clown show and he's going to ruin this program. And I hope they go one at 11 and fire him in November. You cannot lose games and still win. I What are your favorite plays?
4: SMU and UTSA to win the conference. Hope they play each other. I like the FAU over probably the most, and I'm with you on the UAB under as well. For the Big Bets on
2: Campus podcast, I'm Mike Calabrese, joined by Mike Ionello and Stuck. If you liked our work here, please listen in on all of our conference previews. As I mentioned, the FBS is blanketed by the Action Network. We're covering every single conference, as well as the SEC mega preview with Colin and Stucky, the East and the West divisions, discussed at length. We also have a Heisman preview episode coming up, and then before you know it, we're into week zero. So thanks so much for listening. And please, as a reminder, subscribe, comment, share with a friends, share with an enemy. You know how we do here at BBOC. Thanks again for listening.
5: Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly.